Welcome to the Celtic Den Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me are Sean and Liam. How are you, Sean? Yeah, uh, I've had better weeks, to be to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, just plodding along and uh, struggling to keep track of things. Yeah, just, just that's just how it is. And how are you, Liam? Oh, well, you know, I've had a good weekend. This wasn't it, but I have had a good weekend before, you know. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I understand it 100%. Um, yeah. What an interesting few days it's been for Celtic fans. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Some of it our making. A hell of a lot of it not our making. Um, sure enough, um, we've got a lot to talk about today. So let's just get stuck straight into it. So on the weekend, Celtic... Nil, Dundee United nil. Now, listening back to last week's podcast, I may have said it was going to be 4-3 Celtic win, but I did say Segrist could have an absolute blinder, and unfortunately that came that came truth came to the truth. So um yeah, not ideal. Dropped points, which officially means the league's over. What was your take on the game, Sean? Uh yeah, um, I actually thought we were really good, at least for an hour, and then we started kind of getting a bit desperate. Uh, part of a complimentary as well because they were playing on a potato field, so that made it more difficult, and they were still managing to play football. So I was actually really impressed. It was probably goal scoring aside, it was might be, yeah, probably one of the best performances of the season. So that was quite good. Uh, unfortunately, it just couldn't beat the keeper uh, you know and like there was the one where Eddie was through and goal and pff, I don't know any keeper in the world was beaten there do you know what I mean I think he scored an ex- a goal just like that against uh, Sevco last year uh, against Alan McGregor so you know that's the kind of standard that keeper was playing at and he is clearly better than anyone we have in our books so pff, if it's anything less than the five million we paid for Barkas, we should be trying to bring him in as number one next year. Uh, I don't know how old he is, but that guy is good, and he won the league. Well, like he didn't win the league for Sevco, you know. But on the Sunday, just there, he won Dundee United that point. And if we'd scored one in that first hour, like that Stephen Welsh header or the one where Eddie was through and goal, I think the floodgates would open to that point because we were playing really well and. Not that Dundee United were playing particularly poorly, but we were just on fire. Uh, just couldn't score, man, and it was just one of those games. One of those ones, if you're if you're ahead in the league, you just go, oh, well, fair play, you know, fair play Dundee United, but instead you're, like, chucking your stuff around, chucking pillows around the living room and sw- shouting and swearing at the TV, you know, but, you know, fair play to both teams, I think, especially the goalkeeper. Yeah, I have to agree with you about the game where that, I honestly thought the first half was probably the best half of football we've played all season in terms of the quality on the pitch, other than scoring a couple of goals. Like at halftime, I'm sitting there going, how the hell are we not two or three up? So um, with Seagrest in goal, like there's been a lot of talk online where you see him, people are saying, oh, a lot of the shots were right at him. Well, if his positioning wasn't as good as it is, he would have conceded those goals. So... There's that fact, plus statistically he's had the most amount of saves in the Scottish Premier League this season. So he's a quality keeper. I echo your your remarks there, Sean. If we can get him in, let's sign him up. Um, yeah, I want to hear what you think about the game, Liam. Yeah, I think the funny thing is that in recent seasons, Celtic have often had games like this at this point of the season where... We batter a team, but we can't really put the ball in the net. And the other team, to their credit, play to their strengths and match us and, you know, cancel out our attack. And you usually come away thinking, oh, fair play to them. They played well. They got a point, you know, because usually we're about 15 points clear in the championship by that point, And it doesn't matter. Um, unfortunately, this season, that's not the case. And the feeling is like this is just indicative of our entire season. Um now, there's been plenty of games this season where we've been piss poor and we've deserved to lose or not win. 
But this wasn't one of them. This was one where we actually, I think, played pretty well for the majority of the game. Had, you know, had all the chances. But even then, we still just couldn't put it away. And the difference is, this season, when the other mob have been in that kind of position, they've managed to grind out a 1-0 or a 2-1. And we haven't. And that is the crucial difference, I think. Because I still don't think they are that much better than us in terms of quality. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. It's like when Rogers was manager, how many times did we score a goal in the 80th minute onwards? Exactly. You know, and you look at it this season, it's um, it's not the same. So, um, yeah. What do you want to add, Sean? Yeah. Um, if, so what you're saying about people talking about shots being straight, straight at their keeper and like you know, the tr- you know taking away his credit because the shots were straight at him well can I, I I'm just going to highlight what happened to our number one goalkeeper when a shot was straight at him and he okay. burst his nose open because <laughs> <laughs> it went straight through his hands and off his face so I don't know if you have the guys over at listing over in the UK and Scotland and Ireland and all that um, know the saying but over here in Australia if a ball hits a player in the face in any of the football codes it's called a falcon because it was a rugby league player uh, who they like chased down kicks and copped the ball in the face and his nickname was the falcon so i saw that and straight i'm like yep scott bain got falconed <laughs> love yeah i shared that's the scott sterling video on twitter man i love that fo- that video it's like oh that's a classic seven, like I, I, I it cracks me up every single time i watch it like every single time just cannot watch it without laughing if anyone wants to catch on my twitter sean uh, down under um but yeah that was a really good one in, in terms of other players performances uh scott brown even though he made a few mistakes i actually thought he was brilliant um some of his passing and movement and reading of the game like the amount of high balls that came into midfield and he won them do you know what i mean he's not even nearly the tallest guy in there just some of his cross field passing and touch was yeah granted he did lose possession two or three times but I feel like I had to kind of correct myself at one point because I'm like, I'm almost looking for this. And then, you know, I'm almost ignoring, I'm making that more important than the 10 great things that he did in my head. But I, So I made a kind of mental note to myself to actually kind of be a bit more balanced. Um, and another thing to highlight as well is how now it now seems like Stephen Welsh is a well-established first-team player. And what you guys think of that? Like, he, he looks like, he is. He might be an actual starting defender next year. I've got to agree with you on that. When he first came in, I was worried: was he going to be another Owen O'Connell, where he'd just come in and play a few games when we're down numbers, and then be be pissed off elsewhere at a later date? But yeah, he looks like he's established himself in the in the squad, which is good to see. Um, what do you think, Liam? Before I go off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, I I I would tend to agree. Um... I think Welsh in particular seems to be improving with every game that he plays. He's still raw, still a bit naive in his decision-making, but there's a making to a player there, and I, I think he could. Obviously, depending who comes and who goes in the summer, but I think that's a guy that could have a run in the team. Yeah, I just want to single out a couple of other things as well from the game, but the, before I forget them, Sorry. the return of Jamesy to the squad. And also, can we stop the talk about Shanklin being a potential Celtic signing? Well, he's not. He's a, yeah, he's a he's a Sevco fan first of all. So you know, that's a black mark against his name to start with. But you're right; he was he was pretty abject against us, wasn't he? I just don't see it. Like, like he's got his re- reputation and. You know, all the talk is, oh, he's a quality player and one of, you know, the big Glasgow clubs is going to sign him, blah, 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 and all this shit. And I'm just like, I just don't see it. Like, you know what he's doing? He's scoring a bunch of goals against the the Diddy teams down the bottom of the league, which makes sense, which is what you want for the league. But I just don't see him being an upgrade over what we have. No, I agree with you. I wouldn't say he's anything special. Um yeah, I mean, he did score that goal from like what was it, fifty-five yards or something. But I thought you need to have more than that in your locker. Do you know what I mean? 
can't just hope that you're going to score a 55 yard goal once a year and that's it Exactly. Got anything else you want to add about the game, Liam, before we go on to our next topic? No, I, I, I just think it's, a, like I said, a typical game for this, this period of the season. But unfortunately, because of where we are, it, it hurts a lot more than it normally would. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just looking back through the results there. Um, so if you go back to... So Welsh came back into the team... So when we lost 2-1 to St Mirren at home, if you remember that game, that was Bitton and Duffy at centre-back, and Welsh has been in the team since then. Uh, I think he well, actually might have missed one game since then. I don't know, but he's more or less been in the team since then. Mm. And we've played 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 games and conceded 3 goals. So yeah. yeah we've got a good pairing of Welsh and Ayer together. Yeah. Looks pretty solid. Three goals in eight games. And if you think back to like the November, December form, where we were like... We really have to. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Where it was like almost three goals a game we were conceding. Exactly. I know exactly what you mean. It was like 15 goals we conceded in five games or something like that. It was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. You, you can complain about the finishing at the weekend, but we created chances. We, we're keeping clean sheets. Or not, not necessarily keeping clean sheets, but we're defending competently. About bloody time. <laughs> All right. So this right now could be, I'll just put a language warning, language warning for anyone out there because this could go a little bit feral. We don't know how this is going to end up. But a topic we want to call Sevco Civil Disorder. So I will throw it over to you, Sean, and let you and Liam talk about this, and I'll just jump in wherever I want. So start. I guess we start with Saturday. Uh, yeah, pretty inevitable win against St Mirren. Only surprise is they didn't have five penalties uh, to surpass the four they had last year. Uh, yeah, I don't know how many they had outside the stadium. Quite a few anyway. And I guess the kind of appalling thing about it was that Stephen Gerrard was leaning out the window, celebrating with them and the players were going over to the gates and fences and celebrating with them as well. Uh, I'm not clear on whether that was the players breaking their bubble and or anything like that. I don't know. Uh, and then on Sunday, it was kind of predictable what was going to happen. As soon, you know, once we got past the hour without scoring, I think uh, who I don't know who the Sky Sports commentator was, but he was oh, man. I could hear like he sounded like he was having a wank under the table, like. Every five minutes, it was, and Rangers are 23 minutes away from being crowned champions, and now 18 and a half minutes. It was really starting to wind me up, to be honest. Uh, what was also really annoying was that plane circling the stadium, not because of what it said, but just the noise was just <laughs> pissing me off. Um, but yeah, the one on Saturday, what was, uh, Liam, I'll let you talk about what happened outside the stadium there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you've watched the video, uh, yeah. but on Sunday, like this chucking smoke bombs into Tanadice, flying planes around the stadium, and then all hell broke loose after that in Glasgow. Uh, Celtic store got attacked, smashed in uh, George Square. Like thousands of them at George Square, uh, literally pissing on the same statues that they were defending last year uh, during the Black Lives Matter movement, and. Uh, yeah, down in, what was it, how many arrests did Police Scotland make? Was there any? Was it 28? 28, yeah. 28 over the weekend. And was that re- arrests or fines? Because I'm guessing that was for things that were not related to COVID. It's probably for more serious things. No, police said that it was for, um, you know, um, chant, you know, I think it was bigotry chanting and, um, yeah, Bridge of the Peace or whatever it was, nothing COVID related. So how did they get only 28? When there's thousands of them there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> how, does, how does that make sense? Plus zero equals 55. <laughs> you know, 10,000 people, 28, Sevco Mathematics, boom. I'm, gu- I'm guessing logic. it was the 28 that didn't know the handshake? Yeah, probably. Didn't have their match number. That's it, yeah. It's when yeah, you like, off duty polis. 
<laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good look for anyone, and we'll talk about the reaction in a minute. But Liam, do you want to touch on the video uh, that was taken outside Ibrooks? Uh, yeah, um, this was not pleasant. And um, apologies, listeners. I'm going to use some inappropriate language here because I have to to describe what what I saw. Um, so there's a video of a man guessing probably about some, somewhere in his late 30s, early 40s, um, with, his, with his penis in his hand, wanking away like a gibbon. And uh, I'm, uh, I, I don't know for sure, because I'm not a mental health expert, but it looked to me like the guy was quite obviously mentally handicapped or, you know, somehow impaired, not playing with a full deck, shall we say. And uh, so... This image, of course, has been put all over the internet of the guy doing his thing right in front of Ibrook Stadium. And naturally, people are saying, oh, he should be jailed, that's indecent, that's whatever. And it's disgusting, but what I think is more disgusting is the people who filmed it and can be heard actively encouraging the guy and laughing at him. Um, those people are scum because they've. I think I actually think they've taken advantage of and abused a mentally ill person for their own sick, twisted ends. And these are the same people who you see on Facebook and Twitter every day taking the full outrage moral high ground about sexual abuse allegations that have never been proven against people at Celtic. And, you know, they think they're whiter than white, and that's the sort of thing they're doing. They're actively abusing the mentally impaired in public and filming it. And I just... Of all the horrible things that happened at the weekend, that was the thing that disgusted me the most because it just sums up their arrogance, their total disregard for anybody other than themselves, their complete and utter hypocrisy, and just the general scumminess of their demeanour. Yeah, I actively avoided watching the video, um, but I know you had to uh, check your source as part of an article you were writing. Yeah. So when you when you reported back to me on, on that was what the context was, uh, rather than the headline, uh, I was like, well, that's that's much worse because like when when you hear, oh yeah, somebody's somebody's uh, uh, self flagellating out in in the ecstasy of the moment, you know, like, you know, that's just a really stupid thing to do. But then when you hear, okay, well. They're actually egging on someone of, you know, who don't have doesn't have their mental faculties to commit such an offence. That's that's you've used the word several times. It is straight up abuse. Yeah, like that is just that is just abuse. There's not there's no two ways about it, and it's 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 morally. I don't know what the word is. I don't. I'm not sure. I have the word here. Reprehensible. Yeah, I was gonna say repugnant, but yeah, let's use that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, that guy's image is all over the internet now. If he has any family or any friends, they're all going to know who he is, and he's probably going to be ostracised, which if he is mentally ill, is exactly what he doesn't need. Meanwhile, the scum that filmed it are going to remain safely anonymous. And touching on that, he's spot on, because you put out a, uh, a post on your Facebook, Liam, that I saw, which was, about Rangers fans and a Hun and the difference between the two of them. Yeah. And that summed up this behaviour perfectly. What we saw over the weekend, there was some Rangers fans staying at home, staying with their families, doing the right thing, celebrating, and then there was these filthy animals going down and trashing the joint and doing, you know, not distancing, breaking, doing whatever, breaking whatever laws they wanted to, filming this guy... There's other guys over at at Celtic Park at statues taking photos. There was all sorts of stuff. There was bricks thrown at one of the stores. I mean, how is that supporting and your team and celebrating a title? Like it's not pathetic, and it's just not good enough. No, the thing is, it's um. And again, this is something I touched on in my post. Like, like, like you say, I'll just, I'll just sort of summarise it for people who don't follow me on Facebook. Um, I said that there's a there's a clear distinction to be made between Rangers fans and Huns, because you know when I lived in Osaka, one of my best mates was a Rangers supporter, and he and I would sit and watch games together. 
and it was fun because nine times out of ten we pumped them, right? So that was <laughs> it was great. Um, but you know, he always took it in the right spirit. We had a beer, we had a laugh, we had a bit of banter, obviously. I mean, I got the obligatory get it up your text message from him on Sunday night, you know. But um, the uh, that's how it should be, you know. That that my mate is a Rangers supporter. What we saw at the weekend were hunts, and as a clear. If we're going to get ripped into these filth for what they've done over the weekend, and we should, and we will, and if we're going to insist that they have the book thrown at them in every way imaginable, we also need to recognise that there's a significant number amongst their support who are just like us, decent football-loving people who just happen to follow a different team. Yeah, you see those guys on... If you look on, say you know, the Facebook pages or whatever of some of the red tops. So if you go to the Scottish Sun, there's people, there's Rangers fans out there commenting, saying, oh, the damage to the benches in George Square. Like, that's that's appalling. That's not that's not Rangers fans. That's not us. Yeah. We don't want to be tied with that. And then if you go and look at other ones like The Guardian or whatever or the BBC, different articles, you're getting the same sort of thing. You look on Twitter, you're getting the same sort of comments so you're spot on there Liam it's like there's people in their support who are the silent majority who are just as appalled as we are by this behavior and the problem is what we're talking about here and sorry I'm gonna I'm gonna use political language here we're talking about fascists right there's a fascist element among that Rangers support and fascists are scary fascists are scary people because the only language they know is aggression and violence as we saw at the weekend. So I don't blame that silent majority for not speaking up. Because, I mean, we saw in some of the videos that were posted on Sunday night how quickly that mob will turn on each other when they don't get their own way. Um, yeah. And it's it's just, it's scary. I'm I'm glad I'm not a part of that because I certainly would, I don't envy my mates who are decent Rangers supporters that have to be connected with that pish right now. Yeah, some of the um, videos of their fans fighting each other and that sort of stuff. But then there's also them saying online that on the 21st they're going to be going to Celtic Park and what sort of damage is that? And you wrote an article for their website, Liam, about is it worth calling the game off? Mm. And there's talk of that happening as well that you're seeing in the background. But that article you did come out a couple of hours before all that talk started on like in the papers and that. So... If anyone wants to have a read of that, go to CelticDownUnder.com and have a look at Liam's article he's written there. And, um, yeah, let us know in the comments on the article what you think. But, yeah, I don't know. I've just seen a lot of some Celtic fans saying, oh, we're going to go down there and protect our statues and protect our stadium. If you're listening to this and you're thinking that way, please don't. Let the police do their job. Let the security at the stadium do their job. Stay home, do the right thing so we didn't get tarred with that brush. I would add that your anger is understandable, right? There's nothing wrong with being absolutely raging at what has been allowed to happen over the last few days. But as Jared says, getting down to their level, nobody wins. And it makes it easy for our enemies in the media and in, place, shall we say, positions of power in Scottish society to just say, ah, they're both just as bad as each other. Look, there's a reason they're called Huns, and it's not because of... Uh, so, like, some for some reason, this kind of false idea arose in the past that they were being compared to Nazis or to Germans in World War One or whatever way you want to look at it, because yeah. that was the nickname for them. Yeah. And they got this idea, like, oh, that's offensive. You can't call us that. Well, no, 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 no. That's that's not where it comes from. It comes from a, a, a court judge. Uh, was it in was it in Barcelona or I can't remember in the seventies who described their behavior as a pack of marauding Huns, in reference to uh, Genghis Khan's tribe, not in reference to. Uh, any 20th century uh, tribes. And, and, you know, and that is exactly what it is. You see it in Manchester in 2000 and whatever that was, 12, I don't remember. Uh, you know, you see it in 1972. It's You see it, it happens over and over again. So, like, we, we can be outraged, but we can't be surprised. No. And then, you know, and then they're allowed to march, literally march through the streets every weekend for six months of the year. So 
you know, is that helping the issue? I'd say no. Yeah. All right. So we'll leave that there and we'll jump on to the next topic that we had. So you had the PR disaster and Craig Levine's comments in relation to Nicola Sturgeon, Sean. Do you want to... uh... Yeah. So I'll just... What I'll do after this whole disorder started, I'll just quickly read out what Nicola Sturgeon tweeted out. I congratulate Rangers FC on the title win and recognise what a moment this is for our fans. We're gathering in crowds just now risks lives and could delay exit from lockdown for everyone else. If those gathering care at all about the safety of others in the country, they will go home. Any comments on the tone or message there, guys? For me, the thing with a written, like a tweet or an email is... How it's interpreted is 100% down to the person reading it and how that voice in your head reads it and you hear it. It's 90% of the, I'd say 90 to 100% of the time, the way you interpret it is probably right, 90%. At 10% of the time, it's wrong. Like I can get an email at work and someone tells me, oh, you've made a mistake, but don't worry. And I can. And if it's someone I get along with or whatever, fine, whatever, I'll cop it, sweet. But there's a couple of people, give me the shits. So when I get that email straight, I'm like, oh, these pricks are having a go. So it's kind of like how you're interpreting that and reading that means a lot. Now, to me, the words that are written there say one thing, and I didn't th- personally didn't think it was too bad, but how it's interpreted at the time the message was sent and with what was going on in town, angered me. There's there's obviously a few people that uh, disagree with you, Jared, and, and, and including Nicola Sturgeon or her PR people, because just to follow on, she corrected herself four hours later with a second tweet. So four hours later, I share folks' anger at this. Everyone has made so many sacrifices in the past year and seeing a minority risk our progress is infuriating and disgraceful is deeply unfair to the entire country and the police have a hard enough job already please ask fans to go home rangers fc so i'm just going to zoom in on a few words that were missing from the first statement that were in the second so let's see uh anger infuriating disgraceful unfair Uh, all of those strong words were missing from the first statement and somebody's obviously had a word with her and four hours later she's put out a second tweet so you know, so it's it's not just you know it's not just I know what you're saying about it's hard to interpret tone from text, but obviously a lot of people had the same feeling about what she tweeted out. Yeah, and if she had have put that what she put on the second tweet in the first one while putting the same message out there the first time, but with a couple extra sentences, guess what? Boom! I wouldn't have had an issue with it at all. A lot of people wouldn't have. So that's where she's put her foot in her mouth. Yeah. So first of all, I think we have to assume that Nicola Sturgeon is not a football person, right? Because her first tweet seemed to me like something she was told to say by somebody who knows football. And she did that without really considering the implications of it. Because I don't think she, I think she genuinely didn't realise just how nasty this could all turn and how quickly it could turn nasty. Um, Because I think she was maybe just a wee bit naive in that regard. Now, I say, I don't know about her background. I don't know if she ever followed football when she was growing up or whatever. I have no idea. And I don't really think it's particularly relevant either. But the thing is, as a politician, her first and only consideration in a situation like this should be public safety. The Rangers winning the league or whatever is completely irrelevant. She should not have opened up the tweet with congratulations because that's not a politically relevant point. The politically relevant point is we've got a pandemic that is still killing dozens of people every day in the UK and she should be saying to them, stay in the house. That's the only thing she needs to comment on. The sporting... Issues are none of her business. It's not her. It's not her remit, right? I think she's been very naive and, frankly, a bit stupid by even getting involved in any of that. Um, now, 
On the other hand, I am going to say something that's probably going to get me some flack here, but any Celtic supporters who are now saying they're going to vote for the Tories because of what the SNP have done, uh, sorry, but that's like, you know, that's like saying I'm gonna I'm gonna go and burn my house down because because somebody's but some because my toaster's burnt one bit of bread. You know, it's it, it's a complete overreaction. It's extreme, and it's not gonna get you anywhere. Um, you know, don't don't vote for the Tories, please, because they don't give a damn about you or me. Um, but the um the wider consideration in all of this is that the government and the police both have been made to look extremely extremely stupid by this whole thing. And I don't know how much of it is the perception amongst the Celtic support is that it's corruption and oh they're all just looking after each other and all they care about is appeasing the Huns. Um, and there's probably an element of that, but a lot of it I think is just naivety, um, incompetence, and the fact that you've got a lot of people trying to handle a football situation who do not understand the the full cultural implications of something like what happened at the weekend. They don't understand that these people have had a, a, a running track record of decades of violence and intimidation against other people in society. They don't understand that a lot of Celtic fans have had to contend with bigotry of one form or another for most of their lives and to see it being paraded so blatantly in front of them when they are not even allowed to go and visit their grandparents. It's just the ultimate kick in the balls. And I really don't think the politicians realise the, the the level of anger that has been created here. And I really think they need to be more proactive in stamping this out. You know, it's the football authorities, it's the government and it's the police. They all need to be seen to say this is not on. And they're not doing that. They're handling Rangers with kid gloves. Now, particularly from the political point of view... I don't know why they're doing that, because the SNP, sensible Rangers fans, like my friends, will consider the merits of whether to vote for the SNP based on their policies, based on their platform. And that's their free choice to make. The hardcore fascist British nationalists that were rampaging at the weekend would not piss on the SNP if they were on fire. So there is no point in trying to appease that mob whatsoever. There is no political capital to be gained from that. All it's done is hurt their reputation in the eyes of another demographic who were almost certain to vote for them in huge numbers. So I really don't understand why the pandering. What do you think, guys? Oh, look, sorry. I won't piss on them when they're on fire. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, it's just it's clear popular, populism. It's nothing else. Um, but I don't think she's going to... She's only done herself harm in, in any direct, whichever way you look at it, she's done herself harm. Yeah. Um, personally, uh, you know, I don't know why anyone would vote SNP anyway. I mean, I guess if you're pro-independence, you might make that deal with the devil, but I don't see why people don't just vote green, particularly when you've got the PR system in Scotland anyway, so the proportional representation. So, you know, I, I guess she's probably got some other things on her mind at the moment as well with the uh, the court case that's going on, but still not, you know, if you can't see anything, don't can't see anything smart. Don't see anything at all. And what were the Craig Levine comments? Oh so, yeah. I don't know if you want to circle back to that in the BBC section we've got coming up, but yeah, he, he uh, basically said based on her statement today or yesterday, I guess uh, that she should resign as first minister. So I don't know if you want to, talk about that just now but uh basically the bbc uh kenny mcintyre did the same i don't know if you remember the michael stewart incident with uh jim trainer where he was like you know oh no no uh journal that he does not speak for the bbc blah 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 and you know some people caught it and put it online well he did the same thing here when craig levine said oh the first minister should resign kenny mcintyre said oh that's not uh the view of the bbc blah 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 and it it meant there was a mass, the big delay because I normally catch the podcast in the morning when I wake up and uh, it wasn't there this morning and it came up a few hours later but the Craig Levine comments had been edited out. So yeah. yeah so there was also the uh, Morris Ross 
thing with the BBC as well. Yeah. We're talking about that. We may as well just keep going about it. So where he excused Sevco fans' behaviour. Do you want to touch on that as well? Yeah. So he, the words, hold on, just let me grab my phone because the words, I just wrote down the words he used because it was so shocking. Uh, he said that, so this was after Saturday and Sunday. So it was after both days, after George Square and everything. He used the words, he said, praised, he praised Sevco fans celebrating and he said that they were somewhat overzealous. That was the words he used. Somewhat overzealous. Oh, dude. Yeah. So just like just like when the 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 USA dropped a, an atomic bomb on Japan, they might have slightly overreacted there. So the Sevco fans were somewhat overzealous along those same lines of exaggeration. Hannibal Lecter was a wee bit overzealous in his love of a good hamburger. Exactly, yeah. He just likes a good meat. That's that. Oh. He also he also absolved the club of any blame as well. You know, another thing as well in, in terms of media reporting, so Kenny McIntyre did this, and I'm seeing it in other things as well, is people keep saying this is Rangers' first title since they were demoted. And it's the use of the word demoted. And I actually had a guy, uh, his name, I'm not going to broadcast his name actually, but Australian guy that I know who's um, of Hispanic heritage, and he asked me about it on Monday night. Oh yeah, he went. Oh, I heard that's Rangers' first title since they were demoted. And I went, nope. He's like, what? And I was like, they were never demoted. He's like, what? 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 That's what everyone's saying. They were demoted, and now they're back. And I'm like, nope. And I had to sit and explain to him, like, oh, look, there was a one month period where there was no team called Rangers in the league. They weren't demoted. They were instated to the bottom league as a new team. You know. I don't know if you guys remember the Club 12 time. Yeah, <laughs> those were the days. Hmm. I think we've all had that conversation at some point over the years. So, but it's, yeah. but, that's, it's, but it's not just a it's not an opinion. That's journalistic integrity. That's facts. You know. Yeah, it's a cold hard facts, but you know it doesn't suit the narrative. So you know they want to keep the old the the lie the content the continuation lie and all that sort of stuff and, you know, that they never died and that stuff. Bullshit. The club's been around, what, nine, ten years. Yeah. It's said in black and white. See, there's another more sinister side to that as well. It's one thing to deny reality, right? But with particularly the likes of Kenny McIntyre, the BBC, Radio Clyde, um, Sky Sports, not only do they deny it, but they actively go their way to ridicule and abuse anybody who has the, uh, the cheek to point it out to them. You know, I've been called a bampot, a loony, a fucking head case, just for simply telling the facts that Rangers ceased to exist in 2012. You know? Well, the, the original company technically still does exist, so that's... so. They could get you there, you know, because Rangers 2012 does still exist. Technically, there's two Rangers now. Were they not wound up in like 2014 or something? Nah, they're still in liquidation. It's still, okay. still, okay. still ongoing. Right. Creditors are still not had any payout. Well, again, if we're gonna if we're gonna slag off the media, the one guy that I think deserves praise is the former BBC journalist Jim Spence. Yeah, poor he's guy. the one guy who's had the balls to stand up and say. They died. Deal with it. And he's not backed down from that position. And it cost him his job at the BBC. That's a guy I've got a lot of respect for. He genuinely said integrity was more important than his career. Well, something that I find odd about this is how the BBC are so Rangers-focused in that regard, where they'll, guys like Jim Spencer lose their job. But what's BBC stand for? British Broadcasting Corporation or something like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And who did Rangers stitch up with about £70 million worth of unpaid tax debt to? Yeah. Yeah. The British government. So basically these people are standing up for the guys who ripped them off and, you know, if they had paid their taxes, maybe they could have got more funding. But, you know, Sevco logic. Yeah, as well as the the British Army, who they have a, a service, National Services Day and every year, you know, Armed Forces Day every year, mm. rip them off. Uh, clap for the NHS, rip them off, you know. Uh, 
if, I don't know if they ever care about education. Ripped off the public education system as well. All these people that, is a priority for them. <laughs> yeah, well, defending these statues ripped off the people that clean those statues. You know, like that's what they are. It's, it's, yeah, that's it's stupid. It's illogical. It's it's just uh, just being a genetically angry person and just trying to find something to be angry about. You know, the other thing that really annoyed me about that whole thing, you know how they wrecked some of the memorial benches in George Square? Yeah. Um, now, it was the Daily Record, instead of actually reporting on what happened, they ran the quote from, I think it was the guy that owns the Loudoun Tavern, right? This is this is a, the set of people that Daily Record go to for their sources now on stories, right? The guy that owns the Loudoun Tavern. Um, he said, uh, yeah, during the over-exuberant celebrations, some benches accidentally got damaged, right? And then the rest of the story was a puff piece about how this guy had got together with other Rangers fans and raised five grand to repair the benches. They turned an act of thuggery into a fucking PR story for Rangers supporters. It gets worse, though, because you've got that, but then... The thing that I find shocking as well is you're not seeing anyone reporting the fact that there's a charity who gives food to the homeless and they go to George Square every Sunday night. So over 200 people on Sunday night didn't get a meal because those Rangers fans are in George Square. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing that reported anywhere either, are you? Nope. So yeah. you've got a PR exercise on that front about repairing stuff that they damaged, but then you've got – the other, uh, the other issue there that I just brought up, come on now. Where's the – it's just pathetic. I, I didn't know about that, that Loudoun Tavern thing, Liam. That's uh, – does it say something that I'm surprised? That, right. You know, that Sevco fans stood up and took responsibility for the their actions. That, that you know, like that is – I'm actually I'm, – I don't want to say I'm impressed, but I'm surprised. and Like that is not characteristic of them to do that. It also raises the question, doesn't it? If 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 a bench is destroyed, then you buy a new one. Is it still the same bench? <laughs> Triggers broom. <laughs> Five. So we'll jump, yeah. Sorry, yeah. We'll just jump on to the next one. So you had the John Swinney comments where he asked Sevco to act in meetings 26th of Feb and 5th of March. And then you also had some silence in action from the SFA about issues regarding Sevco. Do you want to uh, get stuck into that one, Sean? Yeah, so I was wondering, uh, I'll probably leave the SFA to second, uh, the Freemasons Association. Uh, John Swinney, though, I thought had the right tone, the one that the First Minister was lacking. I wondered if that was on the back of the First Minister and he was trying to angle for, you know, she's on a sugly peg at the moment. So I was wondering if he was trying to position himself as the next leader, might be. By the way, he dropped some key facts, which was that uh, the government, uh, presumably the sports minister and uh, Police Scotland actually met with Sevco twice, once on the 26th of February and once on the 5th of March. And in both times, asked them to uh, make it clear, you know, to ask the Sevco fans that uh, they didn't not do what they did asked him to stay at home and he described it as a deafening silence and that's you know that's pretty appropriate uh comment and and on the back of that i I thought to myself well has the sfa's silence in action and inaction against the the sevco five who broke uh covid restrictions they did nothing said nothing uh in response to those five players you know did that create a, a permissiveness that the fans took to do what they did or the SFA somewhat culpable uh, for this mindset and this the actions and that resulted from this I don't know are the two of them the SFA and Rangers have just kept calm kept quiet are they maybe, maybe even worse are they behind doors encouraging it I don't know like because they've both said nothing and we've seen the outcome that's the thing as well right with with Swinney and Sturgeon and others in that field. Since when do they ask people to not break the law? You don't you don't ask, you demand, you order. 
you're supposed no, to. No, no, be- sorry. They, they're not asking the fans. They're asking the club to say something. No, but in 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 her original tweet, Sturgeon asked the fans to go home as well. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's you don't get anywhere by asking fascists to do as they're told. You order yeah. them. You have to because they're not going to hesitate to run over the top of you. So you've got to meet them with the same aggression. Asking them to be nice is not going to get you anywhere. But yeah, but Swinney was making the point that he was actively asking for action from Rangers, and they just didn't do it. That's what I mean, so, though. Because he asked them, he gave them the option of just saying, nah, nothing to do with us. Whereas if he had said to them, I want you to come back to me with a coherent plan of action of what you're going to do before I allow these games to go ahead. Because he has the power to do that. It, mm, does he? Yeah. I mean, he's, God, he's mm. a deputy first minister of Scotland. If he doesn't have the power, who does? But if then it's politics interfering in sport and then UEFA gets involved and, you know, etc. It's on public safety grounds, though. Surely that would override any UEFA concern. Anyway, Maybe. getting off on a tangent there. But I just feel they're being far too light-handed with all this. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's more, yeah, I'm just worried about, you know, there was two organisations here who could have done something that would have set a tone or at least sent a message that this wouldn't be okay and they didn't. Yeah. And I don't I know people are allegedly think for themselves, but you know, if you think back to when uh, what was it? Was it after our double treble or the treble treble? I don't remember which one, where the fans uh filled up the cross in Glasgow. Uh I forgot the name of it. I've been away so long. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Was it Glasgow Cross? The one that done the barrels? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, the Cotter one. And uh-huh. the the bus was supposed to be going there. And the fans were all on the road. So Celtic sent her a message saying, right, can we clear the roads? Uh, otherwise, the bus isn't going to come. And then the fans didn't clear the roads and the bus didn't come. But look, Celtic did what police Scotland asked them to do. Sent her a message. And at that point, what more can Celtic do? But in this example, what did Rangers do in the answer, or Sevco? And the answer is nothing. Mm-hmm. Apart from having manager and players leaning out windows and going up the gates to egg on the fans. And having their former players go onto national media and excuse the behaviour and absolve the club of responsibility. And then having their chairman send a letter saying that you know, this was expected and that based on Celtic fan behaviour, blah, 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 as well, which ties into our next thing, which was a statement that Celtic put out this morning, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's they don't want to take any – they're not taking any responsibility and, yeah, they're just trying to pass the buck as per usual. But the um, – the tweet from Celtic was Celtic Football Club's statement. We're not half of anything. Not our problem. One club since 1888. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> now, what's come to light and while we started, since we started recording is Rangers and Celtic jointly renew the old firm trademark a week before Hoops insist we're not half of anything. Oh, for goodness yeah. sake. So they're carrying on saying that, like, that we are still part of an old firm because we renewed a trademark. Um, do people not understand how trademarks work? Yeah, that's to protect the copyright of everything that's come before as well as anything that could happen in the future. The old stuff from the old club and us when it was actually the old firm from the 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever. You keep all that for marketing purposes and to make sure no one else can take the trademark and use it on whatever merch they want. That's what that's all about. We are not part of an old firm because it doesn't exist. It died in 2012 when they did. Yeah, yeah I woke up to that statement. <clears throat> um, I, my brother sent it to me in a, a message no context, you know, because everything had happened while I was asleep, and I was like, 
what 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 the hell is this? So I had to quickly search through the news to see what had happened, and I was like, my my initial reaction uh, could be summarized in in three words that. Um, because well, my brother said, "Oh, what is some fifteen-year-old in charge of the the Celtic Twitter now?" And and I kind of, you know, took what he said and I thought, okay, so if, if I could summarize it in three words, it'd be, yeah, it's a it's a bit petty, it's a bit immature, but it's brilliant. And it, and it was, it was like it's brilliant. It's so funny. It's so pithy. It's right on the nose. It's absolutely the right thing to say in response to. Uh, you know, what they've been doing. It was also, you know, the Celtic Twitter account for the last few months has just become a trail of happy birthdays to former players and current players. And it's, what is actually the point? But yeah, this, whatever fan got a hold of the password, whether they hacked it or not and put this out, fair play to them. But uh, whether it was an actual official Celtic statement or not, uh, well, we'll find out through the actions of the club. What you're talking about with the trademark thing, I don't think that means anything i don't i wouldn't read into that uh but the fact that this was in response to uh uh sorry is it douglas or donald douglas park douglas douglas so the, the fact that it was in response to the douglas park statement where he dragged celtic into them into their mess by referring to the other half of the old firm like that's a quote uh surely they should be cancelling the parks of hamilton contract if it's not a hollow statement if this is just a hollow statement and playing to the crowd, then we'll still see parks of Hamilton buses carrying Celtic players next year. If this is an actual statement and an actual sentiment and an actual we are pissed off that we are being dragged down, then that will be cancelled contract. Has to happen. It's just, you just can't have that anymore. Yeah. But it was, as you said, that it was great to see the Twitter account dropping a get it right up. That was my response when I read it. I'm like, huh? Hang on. Two minutes later, read it. I'm like, yes, get it up, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, the thing that annoyed me more than I mean, I hate the old firm uh, epithet. I've I've hated it for a long time because because it creates a false equivalence. And what Douglas Park was trying to do was create a false equivalence uh, with the behaviour. Now, what he was doing was creating the equivalence with our protest against Neil Lennon, and I think I'm pretty sure we uh, as a podcast. Uh, where I don't know if we condemned it, but we certainly weren't supporting those actions at the time, and uh, and it's also not a false. I don't think I need to go into the reasons why it's not the same, but in terms of equivalence, what you could look at is what happened when Celtic historically won our second nine in a row. Did fans go outside to celebrate? No. Uh, did, I don't. Was there a couple? I don't remember, but there were certainly no mass marches. Um, so that's right there. There's evidence for an actual equivalence. So for him to drag us into their behavior is not good. If you want to look at equivalence, look at their UEFA Cup final versus ours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I understand that after some years, some tension gets pent up, uh, pent up and you have to release it when you win. Look at when Scotland's qualified for the Euros after 22, 22 years without a tournament. Was there an equivalent reaction there? No, there wasn't. Hibs, when they went over 100 years without winning the Scottish Cup, and they win it with a last-minute goal, their reaction was a couple hundred fans ran onto a pitch. Sevco's reaction was to that reaction, that, you know, had an equal and opposite reaction. Newton started yeah. law. So um, there's no way that they can find... Even though they're clutching at it, they cannot find some way to equivocate and excuse their behaviour as much as they might try. And that's what pisses me off most, is that they're trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you say, there's a, there's a direct and relatable comparison from last year. And it, it comes down to a fundamental difference between us and them. And I said this in the article I wrote the other day. When we win a championship, a cup, a big game against them, whatever. Our instinct is to celebrate where family and friends maybe have a few drinks. Their instinct is to get get, get to the nearest Celtic fan and just rub their faces right in it as aggressively as they can. Because they define themselves more by their hatred of us than they do the love of their own club. 
I'm not, I'm not even sure it's hatred so much as it is a, a, a domination thing. Like, uh, we rule you. Aye, I'm, I'm a sense of superiority definitely plays into it. Yeah, superiority, that's the word. Aye. It's the old Britannia, you know, they sing that at games. What else do you expect? That, that's the worst thing, isn't it? I don't, I don't even know if they hate us. I don't know. I genuinely, it just feels like they just look down on us and, and they feel they need to assert that dominance and assert their superiority, their perceived superiority. Do they hate us? I don't actually know. I feel like they would probably fall apart mentally if we weren't here because they wouldn't have, or maybe they would just move on to the next group and assert dominance over them, you know? Yeah, it kind of it makes I agree with you. Like, I don't know if they hate us, but the, yeah, the way they look down at you, it's like, you know, you stepped in a bit of the way they think is like we're a bit of dog shit on the bottom of their shoes, basically. Yeah. Well, that's the way they look down at us. And, you know, it's their first title. So I don't care. They can look down at us all they want. We'll beat them on the pitch in normal circumstances. I, I would I would take issue though. I would, I would say that I, I would say there is hatred there. And the reason is that, and from studying international politics and reading up on history and whatever, the supremacist mindset, whether it's sporting supremacy, social supremacy or racial supremacy, the supremacist attitude is to hate anybody who challenges your worldview. And they hate us because we do not listen to their bullshit and we challenge them on it and we beat them most of the time. So, so Liam, if they hate everyone, then does that? Can you say that they hate us? If in fact they hate everyone, well, yeah, I would say so because I think hatred is a hatred is equally unhealthy no matter who it's directed at. But do you know what I mean? They're not hating us for who we are. They just hate everyone because they're not them. Mm. I do think there's a there's a very specific hatred they have for the the Irish subculture, though. That ties in perfect to the next topic that we're going to discuss, which was the Shane Duffy abuse, which is repeated again due to inaction, which is blatant racism, and him being an Irish Celtic player ties in perfect. Your Honour, I present Exhibit A. Uh, A? I think we're up to Q (laughs) at this moment. It's a bit bit beyond Exhibit A, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, sad, man. It's sad, isn't it? And, and look, because it's anti-Irish, anti-Catholic, people just call it sectarianism and part of that old firm problem. And it's not. It's just, you know, where, why is nobody? Why are they not sending tweets to Laxalt or to you know? He's in the exact same circumstance as Duffy. He's on loan at Celtic. He's not having a great season. Where's 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 Laxalt's tweets? You know, like. Where's uh who else is on loan? Sorry, I don't even remember. I can't remember. Well, but, uh, his name I can't remember. Yeah, Kenny. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Why are they tweeting? Why why target Duffy and not these other players? I mean, it's rhetorical, but I'm, if you guys can just state a rhetorical answer. Because it's because he's Irish. Because he's Irish. Yeah, you know, and and as it's you know. Who got the bullets in the post years ago? Northern Irish. Neil Lennon, Niall McGinn, right? Yep. So, you're right, Liam. We can call it hatred, but you're right, it's certainly focused, whether it's hatred for all or not. Mm-hmm. The, the Shane Duffy one, they, what is it? I didn't actually go to the effort of finding the actual words, I just took the secondary account apparently wished death upon him and was quite uh, uncomplimentary about his late father, so... Yeah. Yeah. And Shane Duffy replied to it, so it's not just words in the ether, it was... It got to him, you yeah, know? I know that he saw it. Which is awful. And, you know, he, he, his response was, thank you, Instagram, as in, well, you didn't do anything last time, so here it is again. Uh, yep. And that's... Uh, pathetic and there's no place for it in this world so yeah scum it's pretty much nice as well i can sum them up there were some other reports of racist behavior from them uh, on saturday and sunday as well uh, i'm not going to go into it but if you want to find out that there is accounts of it 
All right, so we'll jump to our last topic to get away from, you know, the, the talk about those ferals from across town. Some news today where John Collins declared his interest in becoming the director of football at Celtic. What do you think, boys, yes or no, and why? For me, it's definitely a no because I don't rate Collins, never liked him, don't want him involved in our club. And also because I believe he stitched up Ronnie back in the day from some of the things I've heard. But I'd love to hear what your view is on it. Well, I um, I met John Collins when he was doing the kind of director of football thing at Livingston years ago. And I remember getting a getting a tour of the stadium before the game. It was, it was a corporate hospitality thing. And... Um, and Collins was kind of doing his kind of host thing and he showed us the changing room where the players were all going to get ready, whatever. And all over the walls was all these like motivational slogans and film quotes and whatever. And I thought, mate, this might work in America. It's not going to work in Scotland. Um, you know, he had very particular ideas about how to motivate players, how to inspire performance, whatever. And I just don't think it would carry on to Celtic very well at all. I think he's better off, like I said, doing it in America or something. Don't think it'd be well received here. Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to, before a comment, I'd just like to declare that I'm also interested in being CEO of Apple, uh, if Apple are listening and Aye. would like to offer me that position. Uh, and I'm also interested in being uh, Governor General of Australia, if uh, the Queen is listening. And she would like to get in touch with me about that. Uh, so yeah, in terms of John Collins declaring his uh, unsolicited interest in the Celtics director of football role, uh, nah, nah, that is not happening. Uh, on a, on a personal note, uh, similar to you, Liam, I've, I've John Collins mustered rounds on these uh, hospitality circuits because I also encountered him at one, and it was actually a party thistle game. Not uh, and uh, is. Part of a, oh, I caught a part of a conversation with him where he told where he told everyone at the table that he uh, didn't rate Georgie Samaras at all. So for me, he's had a black mark against his name since then. So anyone that doesn't love Big Georgie can not be in charge of Celtic. <laughs> Samaras was crap. It's still thoroughly unprofessional to stab a fellow professional in the back like that. And, but this was after the Samaras renaissance because remember he was like bummed right. out of the team and then Lennon gave him his chance again and he you know so it was after this so it was you know it was peak samaras and he was saying he doesn't rate him that's just childish and it's also like you know yeah like a director of football or a manager or coach or whatever shouldn't be making such a black and white statement about a player you know you could be saying like oh x is limited because or i don't or i dislike the fact that this player doesn't do this or this person lacks this even though they've got this good quality to just go nah don't rate him don't rate him around a table of football heads. Do you know what I mean? Like, what's that? I think it doesn't do him any favours either because anybody who's there and knows football is going to know what an arse he's making of himself. Exactly, exactly. And this story about the the six-pack thing, do you remember that? Yeah. Where he was trying to motivate Hibs players by showing off his six-pack and going, you're not a professional unless you have one of these. Like, come on. Come on, man. Like... Matt Letizia wasn't a professional then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Paul Gascoigne had a six-pack. I seen him taking it into the forest when he was going to help uh, Raul Moat. (laughs) His bucket of chicken and his fishing rod. Yeah, yeah. six-pack is fishing rod and his bucket of chicken, yeah. Oh, God. Fair enough, it was a six-pack in Newcastle Burnell, but he still had a six-pack. It's the only six-pack I want. Uh, I think that's a good spot to uh, finish off the podcast. <laughs> We're talking about Real Moat. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Um, if you did, please subscribe to the Celtic Down Under podcast. If you're on Facebook, please like our page and join our group. We have Instagram and Twitter, at Celtic Down. Website where there's some articles that Liam and Sean are writing is www.celticdownunder.com. Boys, do you want to share your Twitter for everyone as well? Yep, my Twitter is uh, Sean underscore down underscore under. 
Yep. Uh, my Twitter is uh, uh, Liam6783. And mine is at Jared82 underscore. So, uh, yeah, if you want to give us a follow on them as well, go for it. Other than that, thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll have another podcast out next week. Probably on St. Paddy's Day, so it could be a very drunk one. <laughs> <laughs> hell, hell. Hell, hell.